We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the PFF uh, Pro Football Focus Show here for week four. Uh, here are my homies, Tyler Beaker and uh, Scott Barrett from PFF. Uh, Scott, week three, uh, a little strange. Everything worked out. Just kind of go back in time. Week one, the chalk went bananas. Week two, the chalk didn't hit. Week three, some of the high on plays did, but the NFL in general uh, was just a complete disaster. Uh, that's what they say. Every, every Sunday matters in the NFL. Yeah, week three sucked. Yeah, <laughs> I, I didn't make a single dollar in tournaments. Uh, I had this uh, this great intro from like a, a really old article on a week that just like made zero sense. Where I'm like, yeah, there's a, a giraffe in my backyard in flames. Like the world is a Salvador Dali painting. That's how little sense the, the world makes right now. And like that's how I feel about week three. I mean, the Browns won. Like that should that should. Tell Browns you. Browns are going to the playoffs. I've I've been expecting this for a while now. Now that Baker, uh, the Baker's oh, dozen, he filed for the trademark Baker dozen or something like that. I saw today. He's he's going to be uh, pretty popular this week. We'll get to him in a minute. Uh, but Tyler, how was your week three? My week three uh, didn't really go too well. Cash games didn't go too well on DraftKings. Um, over on Fantasy Draft, it worked out a little bit better for me. Um, but overall, I think uh, I think I lost a couple of bucks last week. 
Yeah, it sounded like I chose a very good weekend to be on vacation. I played very light this week, this past week, and I think I ended up escaping while most people crashed and burned. Ah, yes. Uh, speaking of vacations, you guys, I don't know who's subbing in for you, but in the middle of October, I got my birthday. I got to go. Uh, all, you guys won't know this, but uh, all the other listeners that watch Roto Grinders on a daily basis, where does my girlfriend like to go? She likes to go to Disney, so we're going to Disney for my birthday uh, in the middle of uh, October. So I will get just uh, a nice sub to fill in for me. But uh, let's get into this. Uh, we've got studs, duds, and a value pick at each position, backed up by plenty of statistics uh, you can find over at Pro Football Focus. Uh, so, Scott, let's start with you uh, at quarterback this week. Uh, I mean, we it, it worked week one. It didn't work out week two. Uh, it worked out week three. Why can't it work out week four? Uh, Drew Brees against the Giants. Uh, it's on the road, right? So Drew Brees, he does have a little bit of home road splits. Uh, that's not deterring you at all from uh, going all in on Drew Brees. No, I don't, I don't care at all. It's just, you know, a perfect smash spot. Uh, Giants can't pressure the quarterback. Uh, their secondary is atrocious and in shambles. Janoris Jenkins ranks bottom five of like 80 qualifying cornerbacks and fantasy points per route and coverage. So I'm not worried about a potential shadow situation on Michael Thomas there. Uh, I think also, you know, the Saints defense is, is probably the worst in the NFL. It's such a pass funnel defense. I think DVOA, which I hate quoting, but they rank, uh, best in run DVOA and, and worst in pass DVOA. They also rank worst in pressures allowed per drop back. So uh, that's been Eli's like biggest flaw so far is just like constantly under pressure. So obviously I think uh, there should be a ton of scoring on both sides. Uh, and, and Breeze is back, baby. Yeah, he's got the volume working for him. And uh, we need to start – uh, looking at him like he's the the Drew Brees of 2016, 2015, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. In which case, he's uh, grossly underpriced by about a thousand dollars, I'd say. Yeah, and DraftKings, it's too like the the top tier of quarterback, the highest priced quarterback, 68, and we have like Baker Mayfield at 5,300. 1,500 dollar difference separates all the quarterbacks that you have there, so it's pretty easy to get Drew Brees if you want him this week. I was toying around with a bunch of builds. You can get him with Alvin Kamara and Michael Thomas and still like the rest of your team this week. So it's uh, going to be a, a pretty chalky week. I think Breeze is probably going to buy uh, from one of the highest owned quarterbacks out there by the time it's all said and done. Uh, Tyler, let's go to you. So uh, I used uh, one of his targets last week. I used Will Fuller in my cash games. He was basically the only guy on my cash games that did anything good for me. Still didn't pull me through the cash lines on those. Um, we got Watson. He's chucking it deep. Um, he's in a dome. The Indianapolis defense, we all thought it was going to be horrible. Now, it's not horrible, but it's not great either. Uh, I love this pick. Uh, I'm expecting a, a couple of deep balls to his favorite targets. Yeah, it's an interesting week here. we got no Chiefs, no Steelers, and no Rams. Those are three of the most potent play offenses. That th play that Thursday slate. It's loaded. I mean, you can do whatever you want in that Thursday yeah. slate. I'm definitely loading up there as well. Um, but Deshaun Watson, I love the play here. Fast pace and a plus matchup. Uh, the Texans passing attack could take flight this week. They're playing inside in the Dome. Uh, this game combines two of the league's fastest offenses against two pass funnel defenses. The Colts have allowed the fifth highest completion percentage against opposing quarterbacks. And Watson is coming off the heels of two really good fantasy outings. 26.8 DK points in week two, 29.0 week three. And I'm going to put my money in this matchup on Watson, who can throw it further than six yards downfield and has <laughs> two studs at wide receiver, like you mentioned. Uh, they're in great matchups here against Indy's corners. 
Uh, bless you, Scott. Uh, all sneezed all over your camera. I saw that uh, during the break. But yeah, but I, I love both those plays. I think you can play. I mean, I'm not playing Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady. I don't know. I think those are clearly the two guys. I like Matt Ryan. Uh, and then there's a couple of cheap quarterbacks, I think, you can mix in. So uh, at the high end, we've got that out of the way. Uh, Scott, if you've recovered from your sneeze here, uh, let's go value quarterbacks. you got a couple of guys. I mean, we've had, we've got almost near minimum price quarterbacks in uh, C.J. Beathard. We've got guys like a Caker Mayfield or Baker Mayfield or Baker's Dozen, whatever you want to call him. Uh, I like a guy, Andy Dalton. I didn't see him on anybody's sheet here, so I wanted to mention him. Uh, just a lot of good value plays at quarterback this week. Yeah, I mean, uh, C.J. Beathard's definitely in play. He's only 4,600 on DraftKings. Uh, before the game that got him benched last year, you know, he put up 14.2 fantasy points in two and a half quarters, then 16.4, then 12.7, then 18.4, then 26.0. So, like, his average is basically, you know, 4X value right there. The Chargers are struggling without Bosa in terms of uh, pressures per drop back, opposing passer rating, fantasy points allowed. Uh, also Josh Allen, you know, as much as I, I hated him coming out as a prospect, he's averaging more rushing expected fantasy points per game than Cam Newton, uh, Eli Manning, I already touched upon briefly in a smash spot. Uh, so you have to like him, even with OBJ in a shadow situation, Evan Ingram out, uh, still more to like than not. Uh, but these are like the three guys after Baker I'm looking at when it comes to the, the cheaper quarterbacks, but really my guy is Baker. We started with me here. Tyler, <laughs> nine times out of 10, beats me at a sheet and steals all my favorite guys. So my guy since February has been Baker. Of course, I'm playing him this week. But Tyler, uh, let's let's hear your case. Yeah, what do you got, Tyler? That's uh, just a, it should be a really strong play in my yeah, you got to want it, Scott. You got to get to that sheet before me, man. Uh, Baker is such a great bargain this week. He's QB 17 on both sides. Uh, he's been my set and forget QB since Monday. Once I started filling out dummy lineups, I'm just going to leave him in my cash lineup and not worry about it. He's already shown impressive arm, great pocket awareness, and he's got rushing upside as well. I mean, there's so many things to like here. Oakland's a sieve of a secondary. They're allowing a whopping 8.7 yards per attempt to opposing quarterbacks. Last year's worst defense was 8.0 for some uh, perspective there. Uh, sprinkling a little bit of negative game script here for Baker. There are three-point dogs on the road. And you've got a recipe for Baker to just go nuts here, throwing, rushing, just accruing fantasy points left and right. That line's off, by the way. Cleveland's going to win this game, in my opinion. Good targets, no pass rush. John Gruden can't find any pass rushers. Probably because you traded them all away, buddy. Um, but, yeah, I just think uh, it's going to be easy, clean pockets. And you, you can see what uh, Baker did in that first game, just uh, darts all over the field. Uh, what a huge difference this is going to make for Cleveland uh, moving forward. So I'm on that uh, as well here. Uh, a couple of duds. So, Tyler, we just talked about C.J. Beathard. At least Scott did a little bit of being viable. You've got him as your dud here. So I'll flip this back to you. Why, why are you hating on beat hard here? Uh, for those with short memories, uh, Beathard was pretty horrendous last year. Outside yeah. of peppering <laughs> Carlos Hyde with targets, he sank the San Francisco offense and didn't provide many fantasy points. The only reason you're really playing him here is you're hoping for a rushing upside and a rushing score. Uh, the Chargers allowed just one rushing touchdown dating back their last 19 games. I'd ra rather save salary with Baker, to be honest, instead of trying to save a couple hundred bucks. Yeah, and somebody, Scott, this guy is completely – this whole offense – except for the running back, is off my radar in DFS. And today's NFL, you can't play players from this team. You've got Dak Prescott as your dud. 
this dude is just erased from my DFS um, lineups pretty much for the rest of the year. Yeah, he's he, he sticks. <laughs> uh, this is a game where Zeke smashes. Uh, I, I I recently built like a model uh, to to figure out like what a player's pricing should be, and per my model, he should be like. Thirteen hundred cheaper. Than- <laughs> I thought you were going to say thirteen hundred dollars because I, I might buy, I might play him at that. <laughs> right, right. Uh, so yeah, av- avoid him uh, this week for sure. Yeah, uh, agree completely. I do like Zeke. Uh, maybe we'll talk about him in a minute here. So uh, Scott, I'll stay with you in a stud. We've got um, one of the best receivers in the league, but he happens to be uh, rosterable in fantasy as a running back. Uh, this is obviously Alvin Kamara. You like Drew Brees, and until Mark Ingram comes back, we're going to have to see. I-, I feel like the Saints have just decided. We've got Drew Brees. He's still really good. We're just going to pass the ball. I think it's something like almost like 70% of the time or something like that this season. They're just rifling it out there. It's the Giants' defense. All these opportunities he gets. Sure, he might not be the best rusher, but when you're getting 30-plus opportunities between targets and rushes in a game, uh, that's no problem. I think he's easily going to be the highest on running back of the week. Yeah, and, and he really should be. Uh, and, and you're right. That is another reason I like Drew Brees. He basically has a wide receiver as his running back. So all the fantasy points Kamara racks up, chances are uh, Brees is going to be connected to those. But, yeah, his volume has been amazing with Ingram out. Uh, so actual opportunity, we'll talk about this in a little bit. Uh, but he leads all every player in expected fantasy points, mm-hmm. and he leads running backs by 82 expected fantasy points per game that's crazy Devin if you um, want to bring that up I forgot about the opportunity knock segment so I've got it up on my screen here so, <laughs> so uh producer uh if you want to queue it up on the screen share I got it for you all right well well let me pull it up then uh <laughs> all right so uh Kamara leads the way and it's it's not particularly close uh Adam Thielen's a surprise he's actually second best among all players. He's first among all wide receivers, uh, significantly ahead of Stefan Diggs, though Diggs is still in that high-end wide receiver two range. You'll see Juju Smith-Schuster finally edging out Antonio Brown. He's bested Brown in targets as well as expected fantasy points in each of the last two weeks. Michael Thomas is just, you know, an utter absurdity. He's, He's top five uh, in expected fantasy points, he's number one in actual fantasy points. And then still somehow that's, you know, it's not really doing him justice because he's also easily the second most efficient uh, player in terms of this, this metric, only Deshaun Jackson ranks above him on a per game basis. Uh, Jarvis Landry is, is a guy you'll hear me talk about in a little bit. Um, Christian McCaffrey just dominating uh, in expected fantasy points. Uh, but also expected fantasy point market share. He's top five uh, easily. Uh, and even in expected touchdowns, he's, he's not as bad as you might think. Um, Robert Woods is a guy who I, I wrote about in this column last week. Uh, I was saying, do not sleep on him. He's seeing better usage than any of the other wide receivers on the team, and it's not close. And that's despite being shat, uh, drawing uh, Patrick Peterson for 66% of his routes week two so it's no surprise to me that he had a big game in week three uh you'll notice joe mixon on here i also wrote up giovanni bernard who had a massive week three in terms of expected fantasy points as did antonio calloway uh i talk about tyler boyd calvin ridley 
and why I think Taylor Gabriel is a fantastic uh, mm-hmm. you know, DFS contrarian play this week, especially if uh, uh, their ro- rookie wide receiver in the slot doesn't suit up this week. He's day-to-day with a uh, uh, dislocated shoulder. Yeah, one of the rules in the NFL, follow the money. They paid Taylor Gabriel, um, and he's, so he's making the rounds this week is a pretty good play. So if you want to read Scott's actual opportunity, you can get part of this. Uh, we'll go over some other stuff earlier, but this is kind of Scott's baby. Um, lots of good information and actionable stuff you could use in DFS. On his article, if you got a PFF sub, uh, go check it out. So uh, obviously, we talked about Alvin Kamara. Uh, okay, so- finish up? Yeah, let's get back to it. Yeah, so, uh, so he ranks fourth in targets among all players. Sixth in receiving expected fantasy points and ninth in rushing expected fantasy points. So basically by volume, you're right. He's like a low-end RB1 plus a high-end wide receiver one, like in one player, which is just like ridiculous. He's also seeing amazing usage near the end zone. Uh, He's seen 13 opportunities inside the 10-yard line. That's three more than the next closest player. Uh, and and if you'll scroll all the way down to that actual opportunity article, yep. you'll see the best value plays based on uh, site pricing versus expected fantasy points per game. And Mars so actually fun. my number one value on FanDuel. Like he's the mo- he's so expensive, but he's still a value based on how amazing his volume has been. So he's a guy I'm probably going to have near 100% exposure to this week. I didn't even know you had this. Is this new or has that always been there? That's always been there. Oh, my goodness. I don't read far <laughs> enough down on your article, Scott. All right, let's uh, go back to opposite running back in this game, Tyler uh, Saquon. Kind of a, uh, I don't know, a, a thrift shop. Elvin Kamara gets a lot of targets because Eli Manning likes to check down. You've got Evan Ingram out of the passing game. You figure they're going to need a lot of points to keep up with the Saints here. Uh, I could easily see Saquon turn in a, a top three or four performance this week. Yeah, building off Scott's actual opportunity, the number two back, Saquon Barkley. Uh, we've seen this game climb to 50 points since its opening. I think most people are going to look to either OBJ or Shepard in the passing attack. And Saquon could be a really contrarian way to gain access to this potential shootout. Not a lot of people are willing to pay up for a running back at Saquon's price. They're probably just going to go right to Kamara. Uh, I think Saquon's in that weird spot where he might get pretty low ownership this week. But the guy's seen at least 20-plus touches in each game, played on 78% of the team's total snaps. And he's just a great shoe in here for a, a potential shootout here. Um, Barkley showed he can be just as dangerous of a weapon on the backfield, 14 receptions in week two. And like I said, if you can't get enough room to jam in Camara, I think Saquon's a good fallback option. Yeah, currently Saquon projected it's early in the week. So these always dial in later in the week. Uh, but he's projected at 20% on. That's probably, I don't know, the fourth or fifth highest owned running back out there. Kamara's easily leading the way. Uh, you can the the DraftKings lineups they look a little nicer today. You got some good players you can get in there uh, at a couple spots this week. So uh, I don't think people are going to be struggling uh, to find value, and that's going to allow them uh, to get guys like Kamara and Saquon in there uh, pretty easily. Uh, Scott, your value, Geo, right? This hinges on Mixon. There's a chance he could play. We don't really know. It's a little murky early in the week, but we've seen this. You just take pass catching running backs against the Falcons, and you don't think twice. Um, if Mixon's out, Geo will be on McCash teams on DraftKings. Yeah, absolutely. And he's he's also seeing easy high-end RB1 usage when Mixon's out. Um, so it's been like four games since last year. He's averaging 20.4 fantasy points per game, 86% of the snaps, 82% of the team's running back touches. And yeah, like as bad as Atlanta has been in the past – in the Dan Quinn era, which is like worst easily, uh, 
far worse this year. You know, Deion Jones out, Keanu Neal out. We've talked about this. Uh, yes, I'll load up on your pass catching running backs against Atlanta until further notice. Uh, Tyler, you've got Lamar Miller in here. So I'm going to challenge you with we know what Lamar Miller is. Um, a very mad play. Yeah, so I'm going <laughs> to challenge you with a couple lesser-owned plays than him. And I'm going to see if you like any of these guys more. We've got Chris Carson. They, I told they wanted to run the ball more. Pete Carroll, he had his way. He ran the ball more uh, last week. He's going up against Arizona. Just absolutely hemorrhaging fantasy points to opposing running backs. We've got Carrion Johnson. I'm a little worried about the pace in that game. We've got Sony Michelle, too, who looks like he's on pace for probably 20 touches this week with Rex Burkhead hitting the IR. They're all cheaper than Lamar Miller. Is Miller still your guy? I like Carrion, but the one thing I'm a little bit worried about him is he kind of needs to hit that 100-yard rushing bonus, not really involved in the passing game a ton. Same with Carson. It took him 32 carries to get to 100 yards last week. Um, Sony Michelle hey, it hits the bonus. <laughs> it does. It does. Touche. Uh, Sony is a wild card. I'm not entirely sure where I stand on that. I'm kind of leaning more James White just because I play a little bit more on DK. Um, but Sony Michelle could get uh, could gain some more steam as we enter the weekend. Um, honestly, I think Lamar's is a very safe cash game play where I think he's gonna see at least 17 touches he's averaging over that for game so far this season his 5k mark on dk is the lowest he's been since october of 2015 indy has allowed at least 18 points to their opponent's top scoring running back now in three straight weeks it's a pretty good matchup here guy sees work out of the backfield as a rusher and a receiver i think he's just a solid cash option he's currently our third highest value play through our dfs lineup optimizer on dk um I like I said at the beginning, he's a meh play, but if you need some salary savings, I think he's a viable option in cash. Scott, real quick on Michelle, you think this is going to be uh like we currently have him projected really low owned. I don't know if that hasn't taken into effect the Rex Burkhead news, um, but after all his touches last week, he did see three targets. They still have James White. Uh, if you think the Patriots can win this game, you got to expect Sony Michelle in there in the fourth quarter. Uh, yeah, I actually like that. I think that's a pretty good call, and and, and what a lot of people aren't realizing is well one you know tom brady does not look right this year he's our 14th highest rated quarterback which is really bad by tom brady's standards but on top of that uh miami's pass defense has been sort of incredible this year they lead the league in opposing passer rating and also interceptions with seven and also passing touchdowns allowed with two uh, a couple of dud running backs we'll get on out of here uh, Scott Peyton Barber, I, I'm not I'm not convinced Ronald Jones doesn't start to make an appearance because Barber just has not been able to get anything done. And uh, going up against Chicago, uh, easiest fade on the board for me this week. You you took the easy way out here, Scott. <laughs> I, I guess I did, and and <laughs> and you uh, you said my argument for me. So. Uh, all right, uh, Dion Lewis. This is always interesting. Uh, there's something going on with I disagree. Richard. You, I always like Dion Lewis, especially on DraftKings. Um, but Tyler doesn't like him. Tyler, why do you like? Why do you hate him? And then, Scott, why do you like him? What what Tyler's done? So the reason to like him is as a receiving outlet against this really tough run defense. Philly, by the way, they've allowed the least amount of rushing yards in 2018 after doing the same thing in 2017. So running against them is not really an option. Deion Lewis, four targets combined over the last two weeks. Not really being used there, despite Marcus Mariota having the noodle arm. Um, (laughs) No, I'm just not playing him. Uh, Scott, rebuttal. Yeah, so four targets, but those were two uh, uh, victories that no one saw coming. I think Philly smashes. Victories. And, <laughs> yeah, and, and you know, that definitely benefits Lewis, who 
uh, dominates workload uh, in when the team is trailing 15 carries and eight targets to Henry's five carries and zero targets. I uh, yeah, the, uh, the cheap, you know, the sub five K running back. There are a lot of options this week. It's going to be interesting to see uh, where it all shakes out. That's all said and done. All right, let's get to some of the fun stuff here at PFF. Uh, Scott, I've got pulled up. So I missed last week. Uh, I, I was trying to find some of the bigger one, the bigger uh, edges that the green line uh, was showing everybody. And I missed last week, but we got the first two weeks right here. So I pulled up a uh, green line and it's got the, uh, the Pats over under on the green line side, hitting at 50 and a half for the markets at 47 and a half. So what's your thoughts on this? Can this Patriots game go over? Do you expect them to get going at home against the Dolphins? You just talked about their defense a little bit. What's right here? Is green line right? Is Vegas right? Or is it uh, something in the middle going on? Uh, yeah, I actually, I actually think uh, Vegas is, is closer to accurate. But uh, then again, every time I've said that about green line so far, I've been proven wrong. Uh, but like I said, yeah, the, the thing with me for me is, uh, you know, Miami's pass defense looks really good this year. Uh, Patriots pass offense does not look as good, uh, you know, to, to put it nicely. Uh, and now Rex Burkhead's out as well. Um, I don't really see that happening, but, but who knows? I mean, you know, Patriots pass defense has struggled. There's a lot of injuries on both sides. We'll see. The Patriots look slow on defense. They can't cover anybody right now. A um, couple miscommunicate any any miscommunication on that Patriots defense is almost like an automatic touchdown for the other team right now. Um, so uh, I just wanted to highlight on Greenline a fun uh, sports betting product offered by PFF. Uh, Tyler, I always like to talk to you. You don't write this article, Pat Thorman does, but it's so good every week. I know you look at it. It's something I read every week. There are. A lot of really good nuggets in here from teams that don't, you know, like the Texans here. You're looking on the screen here and Colts. It looks like they're kind of middle of the average in plays. But when you're done reading Pat's breakdown, you can expect this game to have a ton of snaps on both sides of the ball. Kind of same thing with the Atlanta Bengals game. They're all the way down here, but they're probably going to play up on the other end of this range. There's so much good information in here. What are a couple other things that stood out for you this week? You actually kind of just stole my notes there, how, <laughs> how how Pat does such a great job of just digging further than seeing if you're doing this research on your own and you just see these teams like the Texans, Colts, Falcons, Bengals are middle of the pack or end of the pack. Um, they're actually games to target because these are just plays for game, not plays allowed per game. Um, he does a great job diving into it, seeing uh, not only the plays for game, but the seconds um, per snap, no huddle rates and which games you should really target here for DFS. The more plays and the more volume we can uh, expect, the uh, higher fantasy outings we can um, target them. Yeah, if you're playing this uh, the Thursday slate, I'm loading up on the Thursday slate because this is like a really fun tournament slate. You got the uh, Vikings and Rams, and then you get access to all the high-scoring games on Sunday and Monday night, so I'm playing a lot on that. Um, this Raven-Steelers game, not only are there tons of plays, but uh, I don't know. I just think that game is going to go absolutely nuts. Um, really great article that Pat always does. Pat, if you're watching, uh, thank you. This is one of my favorite <laughs> articles to read every single week. Um, so let's uh, let's jump into a wide receiver here. Uh, let's uh, hold on. Where is it on the sheet? All right, Tyler, you had your redemption, right? Week two was fade Michael Thomas week, and you learned your lesson on week three. You decided to then tout Michael Thomas. And you have continued to learn your lesson to never fade Michael Thomas. He is your stud value player of the week. And I've mentioned this a couple of times. It's not that hard to get Alvin Kamara and Michael Thomas in your DraftKings lineups this week together. 
Yep, I'm going back to the well of Michael Thomas. I mean, what's there to say? The guy just catches everything thrown his way. He's now caught 38 of 40 targets for 398 yards and three touchdowns. His price has reached the point where it's not quite a slam dunk play, but it's hard to fade the highest scoring wide receiver in the second highest game of the slate. Fantastic matchup here against Janoris Jenkins, who's allowed the fifth most receiving yards already entering this matchup. He's probably going to fall to number one by the time this game's over. Michael Thomas, lock and load. Uh, I saw you had a tweet earlier about Julio Jones, too. What's your thoughts on him? I, I think he makes for a fine wide receiver three this week. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> People love to hate on Julio. And after that huge uh, game by his teammate Calvin Ridley, I'm going to go back to the Julio well. He's still a great play in a great matchup. And I think he'll have a lower ownership than most people. Yeah, anyone that used him last week instead of Ridley. That was me and a couple of my tournament teams kicking themselves off for not getting enough Ridley exposure. Uh, Scott, so at your wide receiver, uh, you know, you talked a little bit about Baker Mayfield. You got to like Jarvis Landry now, right? There's no Josh Gordon that looks like Baker Mayfield is going to elevate this entire. I mean, you can make a strong case for any pass catcher uh, that's on the Browns right now. Um, But Landry just looks like a a surefire 10 plus targets in this game. I'm, I might be a little worried that Cleveland's defense is going to be so good that they just get up somehow and they don't need to pass. And then Hyde takes over. But before that happens, you got to expect Landry to get this. I mean, if you think that's uh, the most likely scenario, you got a bad, uh, th- that game because they're three point uh, underdogs right yeah, now. It's nuts. But uh, Landry ranks fifth in expected fantasy points per game, sixth in targets per game, ninth in air yards per game, seventh in expected touchdowns per game. Uh, What does that mean? It means as good as he was last year when he finished fourth in fantasy points per game, his usage is even better this year, and it's significantly different than last year. You know, he he was in a low upside, low ADOT role where he wasn't used heavily near the end zone. All that's changed. Uh, making him an even better value on FanDuel than he is on DraftKings, though he's a great value on both. Uh, Also, you know, of course, the departure of Josh Gordon and the arrival or ascension of uh, Baker Mayfield to to starter is huge for him, Uh, including the preseason. uh, Landry was targeted once every 2.9 routes by Mayfield. That would easily lead the position this year or any year of the past, like, 10 years. on top of that, uh, we should expect efficiency to improve. Uh, last year, Baker Mayfield had a near-perfect 146.6 pass rating when targeting slot-wide receivers. That was also his favorite position to target. Uh, and then on top of all of this, you know, the usage, the new quarterback, et cetera, uh, the match was fantastic. Oakland's giving up the third-most fantasy points per game to opposing slot-wide receivers, and that's where he runs 75% of his routes. Uh, all right, Tyler, uh, let's go to who I'm going to have to sneeze here. <laughs> Professional. I hit the mute button though. So everyone. Oh, man. <laughs> um, so value wide receiver. Uh, let's see here. Uh, you've got Sterling Shepard, which I love. I absolutely love Sterling Shepard without Evan Ingram in here. This is where you're going to want to attack the Saints. They've got an injury in their secondary. I think that's good. I want to question you, you know, is it Sterling Shepard? We've got Tyler Boyd, who's also probably too cheap. We've got uh, Kelvin Ridley from last week, who scored a bajillion points, all in this same tier, just under 5,000. This is what makes it easy. Not only are the sub-5,000 running backs plentiful, but the sub-5,000 wide receivers are some of the best uh, options we've had all season right now. 
Yeah, you can go with any of those guys. Those great options this week to save some salary. Mix and match if you need to. Um, any one of those could go off. I like Sterling Shepard a bit more because, like you said, there's no Evan Engram. It's also one of the highest scoring games of the slate. Actually, I take that back because the other two are playing in the highest slate. Uh, <laughs> I think Shepard's a great matchup here, though, just because the Saints just lost their slot cornerback, Patrick Robertson. He was our highest-graded slot cornerback last year. Just placed him on IR. That means P.J. Williams will now get the unenviable task of trying to slow down Shep. He's coming off a 20-point fantasy point outing last week among the 91 corners that have faced at least 50 targets dating back to the beginning of last year. P.J. Williams has allowed the 12th highest QB rating when targeted against. I think he's a very easy target for uh, Eli Mann to get across, across the middle of the field. Uh, Shep's seen seven or more targets in four of his last five games. I think we can see that number climb this week in a shootout. Yeah, I saw, I, I don't know where it was, but the Sterling Shepard number since Shepard's been drafted, um, he's basically played the same amount of games as Odell Beckham Jr. And they have extremely similar stat lines um, in, in their production since that. Now, I know it's a little bit different when they're playing together, um, but I love Shepard at 4,900. That's a great play this week. Uh, Scott, you're going a little off the board. This is, uh, this is targets versus price, and then you have the brick wall of a matchup here. So this is Quincy Inunua against Jacksonville. What do you see here that makes you want to play Inunua? Uh, yeah, I don't know. I, 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 I don't feel <laughs> the like... The targets look real nice. Yeah, they're, they're, I mean, there's there's a ton of uh, really cheap guys. I like Tyler Boyd a lot. Uh, I like Taylor Gabriel, who I talked about too. Uh, yeah, none was just seeing awesome volume. Uh led the team in targets for three straight weeks. Ranks fourth among all wide receivers and routes per target, ninth in target market share. Um, but he runs 72% of his routes from the slot, and Jacksonville's one of only seven teams to surrender more fantasy points to the slot rather than to outside wide receivers. So the matchup, you know, on the whole, Jacksonville, of course, is fantastic, but it, it's not terrible for him in, in this individual matchup in the slot. Yeah, there's so many good names. There's Antonio Callaway who's playing a ton of snaps. Yeah, Christian Kirk, he's starting to come through. He's playing starters reps even with Larry Fitzgerald right now. Uh, cheap wide receivers are plentiful. I don't really think you can go wrong with pretty much anybody we've we've mentioned here. There's a, there's a ton of good plays in my opinion. Uh, Tyler, you're dud. Uh, Marvin Jones. So here's what I've here's what I've ascertained through the Lions. Uh, you don't want this game. I think this game's going to be really slow. But when Next week comes up, if the Lions have a good matchup, you, you just play whoever the cheapest Lions receiver is. And I think that's how I'm going to be approaching it uh, moving forward. Yeah, they're very much like the Rams, where you just want to play at least one of the guys, and uh, they're almost matchup independent, where you're just looking for the cheapest option. Marvin Jones, though, I'm not interested in at all this week. You mentioned the pace. I think it's going to be brutal against Jones in this passing attack. And Dallas has some really standout corners that are playing exceptionally well. So it's going to be a low volume and a really tough matchup. It's actually a, a, the most difficult matchup that he could have. It's against our number one graded cornerback, Byron Jones. And unlike other Detroit wideouts, Jones' 18.3 ADOT, which is top five among double-digit target wideouts, doesn't really let him get the cheap receptions underneath and pile up yardage after the catch. Byron Jones is allowing just a 44% catch rate and a 51.8 QB rating when targeted against. Uh, I'm just going to fade Marvin Jones and pretty much this whole Detroit passing attack. Yeah, Marvin, uh, the price is really nice, right? 5200 but I, I'd take that step down to the sub-5K wide receivers without even thinking twice about it this week. Uh, Scott, you've got your dud. Chris Hogan, uh, just a, a really tough matchup. You've talked about Miami's perimeter defense. Uh, let's see, where's his uh, – I forgot the the one cornerback's name, but uh, basically elite production uh, since uh, I think about the middle of last season. 
Yeah, he's also just seen 12 targets. Um, he's an easy one. Just a complete fade. All right, Scott putting in 100% effort on the Chris Hogan call on a fade. I agree, too. This is more of a Gronk game. Um, we got to see if uh, Josh Gordon plays at all. I'm, I'm completely off Chris Hogan. I have him in a season-long dynasty. I don't want to start him, but I kind of have to because uh, that's how deep dynasty leagues uh, sometimes work. Uh, let's keep uh, moving along here. So we're, we're actually making some pretty good time. So we're going to have uh, – I'm going to have to come up with some stuff on the fly here. But let's uh, move to tight ends. Uh, Tyler, you know, you can make this work this week. If, if Scott's right with Chris Hogan and he's got a really tough matchup, Gronk disappointed last week. He's still pretty high priced on DraftKings, in my opinion, at 7000 I would like to see him back at that 6900 to really want to use Gronk. It's probably just $100 too much. Uh, but you got to think he's going to have to get involved if the Patriots are going to score some points. And you can make it work this week in tournaments. It's not hard to find value. Yeah, I think he's a kind of contrarian price option, though, where he's very pricey compared to the next highest tight end, which is Zach Ertz. 800 more on DK, 1100 more on FanDuel. But it's a really good matchup here. The Dolphins allowed the most yardage, second most receiving touchdowns, and third most fantasy points to opposing tight ends last year. Safety Rashad Jones missed last week's game. That's when old man Jordy Nelson went loose. Yep. If Jordy Nelson can go big on them. <laughs> I'm hoping that Brady targets Gronk a bit more in this matchup here. Uh, Rashad Jones is still remaining limited in practice this week. Gronk has scored eight touchdowns in 11 career games against Miami. I mean, it's Gronk. Like, fade at your own risk. Yeah, I think he's a great player. The problem is I do like a couple of the cheaper tight ends. Uh, we'll talk about those in a second. Uh, Scott, yours, uh, you've got a stud. I mean, how, how do you fade Zach Ertz? You know there's going to be uh, a lot of targets, 10, 13, and 10 over his first three weeks. Dallas Goddard went off last week. I want to talk about Dallas Goddard too, Scott, from last week. This is like my biggest regret. Looking back at the guys who had big performances last week, this is one that nobody was on that we should have been able to see coming, right? Without Mike Wallace, without Alshon Jeffrey, the Eagles should have gone like more tight end too. It made a lot of sense for us to use Goddard. I missed it. I think everybody missed it in DFS last week. Uh, that, that was one of my biggest takeaways. Um, but you got to like Earth 6,200 pretty good prices. Yeah, so we can talk about both of them because Goddard's actually also my value just because Tyler got to the sheet before me when the correct answer is Eric Ebron. But, you know, <laughs> Goddard's like a decent second, $300 off minimum price on DraftKings. Uh, but that's all contingent upon if Alshon Jeffrey doesn't play. Uh, but, you know, Goddard, as my value play, he, he ran 27 routes last week. That's the same number as Njoku. Also the same number as Gronkowski. Uh, you saw seven targets, only four tight ends. Saw more than that. Uh, it feels like chasing points, but I don't think it is. Um, he's also amazing. You can, like, go back and read some of my art articles from May on, on why he was easily the best receiving tight end in the class and maybe best receiving tight end in some time. Uh, but again, that's, that's definitely contingent upon Jeffrey being out. What uh, about Sp Sproles? And, uh, if Sproles and Jeffrey are back, clear stay away. Even if Sproles plays, I think I'm still going to stay away from Goddard. A little interesting. Uh, maybe. Um, but, but Ertz. So, so the thing is like, Ertz definitely disappointed in terms of production relative to get uh, it. Goddard, good air, whatever. Uh, but really their, their volume uh, was way better uh, for, for Ertz. Um, so Ertz 
had 18.3 expected fantasy points. Goddard only had 12.1. Goddard was just far more efficient. Uh, Ertz is going to find the end zone. Uh, Volume's going to be awesome. It's been awesome. Um, uh, Here's the stat. So in his last 16 full games, so he didn't leave early with an injury, with Carson Wentz under center, Ertz averages 17.2 fantasy points per game. That's that's not only easy number one tight end fantasy numbers, but it's also mid-range wide receiver one numbers, which makes his salary uh, look super cheap in comparison. Uh, really, you know, he's gotten a, a little bit unlucky in the touchdown department, uh, and I think uh, positive regression's coming, and, and why not this week? Yeah, I love Verts. Uh, I do uh, love to see on Goddard. It's just looking, looking back, Scott, right? We should have seen that as a possibility last week. And I think the whole DFS space missed it, including I myself. It was coming week one. And then I just kind of, for- it didn't. And I kind of forgot about him. Yeah. So you, you got to I don't know, thinking about things like that um, in hindsight can help you try to figure it out in the future. So that's kind of something I, I always try to do. Uh, Tyler, let's get to a couple other guys here. Uh, Eric Ebron had all the targets still. Uh, Jack Doyle looks pretty iffy to play as we sit here on Wednesday night, in my opinion. And if Eric Ebron's going to get 11 targets, it's pretty hard not to play a $3,600 Eric Ebron in a dome against Houston. <laughs> this is like a no-brainer play. Yeah, fired up with confidence. He had 11 targets last week. Four of them came inside the Eagles' 20-yard line. Houston's allowing the fourth most touchdowns to opposing tight ends, and they've allowed them to score in two of three games to start the year. I mean, it's a lock. <laughs> yeah, absolutely lock. I want to hit on a couple other uh, cheap tight ends and see which one of these – is the premier standout for you. So Scott, I'll start with you. Uh, we've got Ben Watson against the Giants. And I want to get your thoughts on this. His snaps really decreased last week when Cameron Meredith came back. Uh, so I want to get your thoughts on if he's viable. We've got David Njoku, who if he can catch the ball from Baker Mayfield, he's going to see a big uptick now. He's going to, I think he's really going to take off here to start the end of the season. Austin Hooper in what should be uh, a high scoring game. There, there are some really good value plays at tight end. Do any of those stand out for you? Yeah, just regarding Watson, I want to reiterate that the Giants are no longer a tight end funnel defense. They're just bad everywhere. Uh, and Joku, yeah, why, why not? I, I love Baker. Um, Josh Gordon's no longer on the team. I do really like Antonio Callaway. He saw great usage last week. But, uh, I mean, we did see uh, uh, a two-touchdown preseason game between – and Joku and Baker Mayfield. So who knows, maybe that, that happens again this week. All right. Uh, Tyler, a couple of duds for you here at tight end. Uh, you've got ASJ. Uh, I don't know. He, I don't think I'm going to play ASJ probably the entire season. And I certainly don't see myself doing that. He's another guy, all the Cowboys except Zeke and uh, definitely ASJ. These guys don't exist for me. Yeah. I think that's a smart move. <laughs> the likely return of Fournette means the past happy ways of Bortles is probably coming to an end. ASJ wasn't really even a true beneficiary of those two pass happy games. He saw just 41 yards over that span. Um, Jamal Adams playing really well right now as safety. We will likely defend the tight end, our number 17 safety. Um, yeah, it's an easy fade. They're, forget the revenge narrative. That's not happening. Yeah, uh, these are guys I, when I make my thing, I'm going to have, I don't know, 300, 400, 500 something lineups this week in tournaments. Uh, I just X them right out of the lineup HQ here. They do not exist to me. Uh, Scott, you're dud at tight end. Uh, Ricky Seals Jones, you know, he's got Rosen back in. Rosen's going to be starting here. 
Oh, any... uh, I actually changed it. Oh, what do you got? Who is it then? Sorry, uh, OJ Howard. All right. I felt bad because the rest of my duds were kind of <laughs> straightforward and obvious. All right. So I'm getting I'm getting kind of sneaky here. I actually really like Ryan Fitzpatrick this week. The the guy's done something historic. The fourth most fantasy points by a quarterback through any three week stretch ever. And for some reason, he's going to be low owned this week. That's going to be a mistake. Pretty sure. Um, but yeah, OJ Howard. So he's running big boy routes. Now he's seeing big boy targets, putting up some numbers. Uh, all that's great. But, but here's my, here's my theory on this. So he was the, the primary blocking tight end last year. He leads in, in, uh, uh, pass blocking snaps again this year, but it's closer. But he's still, he is the better pass block blocker and significantly so in comparison to Cameron Bray. So Chicago ranks eighth in pressures with 45, but Khalil Max made up a whopping 20 of those. That's like ridiculous. And that would drop him all the way down to 30th. So my theory is because Todd Monken is a genius offensive coordinator. They leave him in to block Mac uh, for a high percentage of the game. And even when, when not, it'll be like chip blocks. So, you know, he wouldn't have like full routes uh, to develop. Uh, so I, I think this caps his upside. That's, that's my theory. If you like Ryan Fitzpatrick, I will tell you the bears are going to be one of the uh, highest owned defenses we've probably seen this season. Um, outside, of that, outside of that Houston week where Houston fell completely on their face. I think that was week two. Uh, the bears, they're 2,600 on DraftKings at home against what I probably think is an overperforming Tampa Bay offense. Um, I think they're easily, they're going to be the highest owned defense of the week by far. So if you like that, Scott, you can find yourself up with a millionaire maker with a low owned Ryan Fitzpatrick because nobody's, nobody's going to be playing them against them. Let's, let's do it. Um, so that's going to do it for this. Uh, I got to make up a couple things here on the fly, uh, to finish up our segment. So I want to talk about, uh, games we think might go over the totals or have a little bit more scoring than we kind of think. Obviously we have the Saints-Giants game, and the Falcons-Bengals game. I'm excluding those from this conversation. There's going to be like seven more podcasts and 5,000 articles here on Roto-Grinders for people to hear about that. Listen, I just told you what the sneaky shootout is. The the Tampa Bay games for you? Yeah, absolutely. It's Chicago's pass pass rush is sick, but it's only one guy. Um, If you take that away, you know, it's significantly less so. But uh, this is – Two pass funnel defenses, um, both rank bottom three in rushing yards allowed. 84% of Tampa Bay's yards allowed has been via the pass. That's most in the league. 77% of Chicago's yards allowed has been via the pass. It's fourth most. 85% of Tampa Bay's yards on offense has come via the pass. That's easily the most. Um, You know, what he's doing is like utterly historic. Uh, only quarterback ever with three straight 400 passing yard games. He's fighting for his job. You know, no You've one's in the Ryan Fitzpatrick circle, shoot. right? Where he plays really good for a couple of games. It's, it's not the player. It's the <laughs> offensive coordinator. Yeah. Well, Dirk Cutter, Dirk Cutter has been horrible for a while. So he needed to give up those play callings. You really think that's changed this entire time? It's, it's Todd Monken, man. He's, he's a genius. Look, look at what he's doing with the uh, downfield aerial assault. Uh, it's a thing of beauty. The, the targets are definitely there. This, the weaponry that Ryan Fitzpatrick has is definitely there. I won't argue on that. That'll be something I'll have to load that into the lineup HQ here. I want to make a couple make a couple teams for you, Scott. Uh, mine, I like this Houston Indy game 
I, I think Bingo. I think Indianapolis the, will be able to do those short passes, Tyler. Houston's going to be chucking it deep. That's what Deshaun Watson does. Will Fuller is unstoppable since he's been hooked up with Deshaun Watson. And then you also have to account for uh, DeAndre Hopkins and nobody else is getting targets in this offense. It's very concentrated, makes it really easy for fantasy. You could run it back with an Ebron. You can run it back with a Hilton and still make your lineup look pretty good this week. Uh, that's one of going to be one of my favorite game stacks here. Yeah, I agree completely. When I first started making tournament lineups, they were all Watson, Fuller, and then running back with Ebron and uh, a little bit of Nuke as well. Um, like you said, Hilton, I think he could take any six-yard slant to the house, especially against these Houston corners. They are not good. Um, why, why Nuke when uh, Fuller's outscored him in three of his last four games with Deshaun you got to use both. The, if yeah, you didn't see my article, the, the game stacks with like – you just jam in as many players from the same game as you can now in DFS. That's what seems to be winning. Um, I don't know if it's going to continue that trend, especially this week with the lower totals. Um, so I'm going to have to debate what I'm doing here. But it's just all these game stacks, you're getting the right game. It's a passing league. You can't touch the quarterback. You breathe on him. You get a 15-yard penalty. It extends the drives. Pass interference is getting called. There's the most penalties that have ever been called in the league so far through three weeks. It's just an offensive league. Scoring's up. The game stacks are going nuts, Tyler. So stack, stack up this Houston game. Fit five, six of them on there if you want. You got another one, Tyler? I stole your thunder on that one. You got another game? Honestly, no. I'm pretty concise with my tournaments. I'm just going to do that and focus on the Falcons-Bengals. I think that's it's the highest game on the slate for a reason. I think both these defenses are bad, and we could see a lot of passing here. All right. Uh, Scott, you got any final thoughts on anything we talked about today? No, just just I agree with uh, indeed Texans. Texans are probably the second best uh, defense to attack outside of New Orleans. Yep, uh, I love that game quite a bit. So we're going to get on out of here. Uh, thanks to uh, Scott and Tyler from PFF for joining me today. Uh, if you want to check out Pro Football Focus, you can get access to Scott's actual opportunity along with Pat Thorman's article, along with the grades, along with a lot of other statistics. I think it's just $40 a month for their basic subscription. And if you want to get the premium stats and the green line, uh, they bump it up quite a bit. I think that's hovering around 200. But some of the information you get on there is so good. If you're a high stakes uh, DFS player, uh, you're going to want access to it. It's all exportable into CSV. So if you're good in Excel, you can kind of manipulate that all behind the scenes every week uh, to get all your advanced data uh, pretty easily. Uh, and I encourage you to check it out. Something I look at every week. Uh, so for Scott and Tyler, I'm Britt. Thanks for watching, everybody. We out you.